Welcome to Empowering Women Through Sports. I am your host, Allison Ferguson. This episode is about how our love for sports can lead us to follow our passions into business and career. Through sports and teams, we make meaningful friendships and create deep-rooted relationships with like-minded people. I mean, how fun would it be to work with your bestie in a field that you absolutely love? Well, that's what Kelly Hart and Melissa Alder are doing. They own Free Heel and Wheel, a specialty ski and bike shop in West Yellowstone, Montana. They met freshman year at the University of Montana in Missoula, and nearly 30 years later, here they are, with big smiles on their faces and a thriving outdoor business. So how did it all start? Kelly Hart's family was into the outdoors, and their family went on camping trips in the summer, where they would fish and hike, and in the winter, they'd go on ski trips. Kelly's dad was a college and pro football coach, and sports were a big part of her family. Melissa Alder, the other half of Free Heel and Wheel, is a fourth-generation Montanan. She has always been athletic, and her passion for mountain sports came about after high school. It wasn't until college that I sort of came into my own and realized that the outdoor sports was what I really loved. And I discovered mountain biking, which was really new. I guess it was 1989, 88, 89 when we started college. And at that time, that's when mountain bikes were first becoming a thing and ended up finally getting a job at a bike and ski shop. And that's kind of what got me into skiing. As I got more into mountain biking, I eventually did some mountain bike racing and some road bike racing and, and got very into um, the biking part of my life. Kelly and Melissa met freshman year in the dorms at the University of Montana in Missoula. It's very fitting because there is no lack of outdoor activities in Montana. The trips Kelly took with her family were mostly alpine skiing. I asked her when she started cross-country skiing. I was first introduced to cross-country skiing probably in college. It was just an activity that I could do on my own. I loved to be outside. It was inexpensive. You know, as a college student, you don't have a lot of money. So being able to drive up to one of the areas outside of uh, Missoula was just very freeing and a great way to get my mind cleared from whatever I was needing. Cross-country skiing, uh, easily accessed and can be as addicting as running is to a runner, right? Oh, absolutely. Cross-country skiing, whether you're classic skiing or skate skiing, it's intoxicating. Yeah, you're so fun. You just want more and more. But if you feel so passionate about a sport and activity, like whether it be tennis or, or mountain biking, and you can maybe mountain bike with somebody that makes you feel good. That's so like that. Those were my ups, right? Just doing something and feeling really good about it. Um, skiing powder or, you know, doing some single track, like that's my happy place. Like if I can't go to sleep for whatever reason at night, like if I can go back to, you know, skiing that powder and 
spike in and throw in like a perfect frisbee. I mean, that that's like the best feeling. Like it's, it's better than sex. It's like, yes, I got it. <laughs> oh, that is classic. But I'll tell you what, the, one of the coolest things, probably like catching a really cool wave is skiing in the spring called crest cruising, where you just fly on top of snow that's been like condensed down and then it freezes overnight. So your snowpack freezes and it's just like ball bearings. You can go, we go up in Yellowstone in the park north of here or just in any open area, you know, rolly terrain. Oh my God. It's like, it's so amazing. I think that's probably my favorite activity of the year. What a rush. It is because you go, you can go fast and you, and then here you're also, the animals are waking up. So you see bear tracks, wolf tracks. It's awesome. Melissa, I'm seeing the pattern here. We've got skiing and biking. Well, and you worked at a bike shop. Yeah, I worked at a bike shop called Open Road Bicycles, and they were also a cross-country ski um, and bike store. So that was, you know, my first experience really with Nordic skiing. And um, it was a desire to stay in shape over the winter that kind of turned me on to Nordic skiing and the guys at the shop taught me how to skate ski. They took me out in the dark one time on some trails and taught me the basics. And it was so similar to mountain biking and how, you know, you work hard on the uphills and then, you know, you just glide or coast down the downhills and you're in the trees and the wind in your face. And it's very similar. So it's an endorphins for it. You know, you get your, get your highs on the climbs and the thrill on the descents. So I really loved it. You know, and then that kind of opened the door to every other kind of skiing, which which I now am, have embraced and truly love classic skiing and backcountry powder skiing and, and all of it. So I get it. They love all types of skiing and biking. I asked Kelly how their passion for these sports evolved into an outdoor retail business. When Melissa and I met, we had decided that we wanted to be in the outdoor industry in some manner. And I, I guess our first thought was to be like a, you know, an outdoor store like REI and REIs really didn't exist in Montana. So we didn't really know, you know, about REIs necessarily. This was back in the early nineties, but as those stores started popping up everywhere, we decided that we wanted to be more specialized. That's when we thought that a bike shop and a ski shop clothing with the coffee shop too would be more specialized and something that we love you know we loved all those sports so something that we would never grow old of doing or talking about so my parents owned a a fly fishing shop here in town my dad got out of coaching for a few years and thought that he would fulfill one of his dreams of having a tackle shop at the time in the winter, they were offering ski rentals. So uh, we went to one of the outdoor retail shows down in Las Vegas. It was an SIA show. And Melissa and I were there and literally felt like we were in dreamland, like not only just all the gear, but there's beautiful men everywhere. And we're just like, we have 
got to be in this industry somehow. And at the time, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll, you know, we had no, at that time we had not dreamed of having our own store um, that evolved. But actually after that show, when we declared our majors, I was marketing Melissa accounting. It was working at her parents' store that really got us into the outdoor industry and they took us to market and we learned how to buy, you know, what that was all about. And um, it just opened our eyes to the wonderful people and community of the outdoor industry. You know, we just met these amazing people and mountaineers and climbers and all these really cool people and realized that this was a whole nother industry that, you know, you don't even, they're not going to tell you about in your accounting class. Like this is, <laughs> this might be something you can do with your life owning a store. So what year in school were you at this point? Um, after our first year. So you're 19 going to an outdoor retailer's show in Las Vegas and you're 19 and you say, this is what we want to do. Yes. We were like, somehow this is like where we belong in the, whatever this industry we need to, we need to be here. This is your passion. This is your sport. These are your people Yeah, identified and could totally connect with everyone. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, at that time, we thought we wanted to be reps. And then as things evolved, we were like, well, maybe we'll own our own store someday. We had managed my parents' store for a quarter of our school year and kind of decided that this, it seemed right for us. Like it was, we worked well together, friends, and we had different strengths. So at that time, both Melissa and I were thinking like, oh, when we're 30, you know, after we get married, after we have kids, and it, it was my parents that said, hey, look, this is not an easy career. Like, you don't, you don't want to start this when you're kind of weighted down with a family and <laughs> you're a little bit older and because and, it's exhausting. And they were so, so right. So we started on the path of uh, structuring what we wanted our store to be and what we wanted it to look like. And um, there was an organization in Missoula that helped women and minorities. So they helped with writing a business plan. So we were able to just use all of their, their advice and, and their professionalism. And, and it was, we felt so lucky and it, it didn't cost us a thing, which was amazing. And we wrote a business plan and got an SBA approval. So we were able to get a loan from any bank we wanted. Prior to that, we walked into a bank before we were approved with this, from the SBA. And the bank was like, so, you know, whose parents gonna co-sign for this? And we're like, no, no, neither of us. You know, we were, we were like, we don't, our, you know, no, that's not gonna happen. We wanna do this on our own. So after that approval, after the help from that organization, we felt so confident because, and we were ready. We had to, you know, you have to present like a cost analysis for two years. You have to, you know, just be into your business so much that, and be prepared. And we were so, so prepared when we opened up our, our little store and we haven't really changed any of the concepts. Honestly, it's, it's what we decided when we opened in 1990, that was 1994. 1996 when we opened. And that must be a poster child for them then. 
you're an example for that group that said, this is what we can do. Yeah. 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 Well, and we felt proud that we felt so proud when we paid off our loan to the bank that, and they did recognize that, you know, like you guys did it. We did it before, you know, the time when we were supposed to pay it off too, which was great. Yeah. Melissa, the accountant remembers a bit more about how the process worked. So it was an organization called WEDGO, which was like women's economic development, something, something. I can't remember the whole acronym. It was specifically to help women who want to just start small businesses, you know, of any kind. Um, And they had professionals, you know, that were retired that could help you um, as well as employees of, of that organization that could help us write a business plan and get the work done that we needed to do before we went to the bank um, and asked for money. And they also had access to and knowledge of any programs that might be out there for women-owned businesses. And at the time, there was a program called the Women's Pilot Loan Program through the SBA And when we applied for our loan, we basically got this pre-approval from the SBA saying that, you know, they felt like we were a good risk and they were going to back us. And so then when we went to the bank, it made it easier for the bank to say, okay, you're kind of pre-approved for this loan. So we'll go ahead and do it. That's great. You got it all teed up. Yeah, they were, it was really cool. Um, We spent almost a year planning and writing the business plan and, and working with that company. What does it take to open and run an outdoor retail store? Well, mostly time, (laughs) energy, enthusiasm, and really it's not a hugely profitable business. I don't know of any outdoor stores that make a lot of money, have a huge profit margin, or, you know, the people bring home big salaries that own those stores. Um, It's really you are sharing your passion that you have for the outdoors with your customers, developing relationships. Um, and it's those relationships and those, those experiences that make it rewarding. We were lucky in that we had a vision of what we wanted our store to look like. And we were able to take out, you know, relatively small loan. It was about $75,000 in that you know, we were able to get the inventory we needed and, and the, the display and all that stuff to get started. You know, we still don't own the building that we have our business in. We, we lease the building. And often if you're planning on retiring or leaving the business or selling your business, property is really what's valuable. So we don't really have a retirement plan or an option. Um, but you also, we also you know, love what we do and know that it's something, it's not physically demanding necessarily. So we can do it for a long time. Free heel and wheel. That's such a clever name. How did you guys come up with that? Free heel and wheel. The name of the shop was really difficult to, to decide on that. Honestly, was probably one of the most, the probably the hardest decision. We, um, had a list of, I don't know, a hundred, 200 names that friends kept on sending us, you know, what about this? What about that? And so we liked two of them. One of them was 
the spoken edge. And then the second one was the free heel and free wheel. And that one just seemed to click the word free always people remember. And so we just dropped from free heel and free wheel to just free heel and wheel. It says it all. Yeah. Yeah. To clarify, the name Free Heel and Wheel is well suited because they are a ski and bike shop. The type of skiing they specialize in is free heel skiing, like Nordic or cross country, telemark, and backcountry. In these types of skiing, the heel is not in a binding, it is free from the ski. In backcountry skiing, the heel is free so that the skier can walk uphill with skins on the bases, then at the top, take the skins off and the heel can be locked down for a classic alpine skiing descent. Telemark skiing is also free heel. Some backcountry skiers prefer to telemark ski because the gear is lighter. As my telemark friends say, free the heel, free the mind. They also envisioned and have incorporated a coffee shop within their store. The coffee shop actually is named Mocha Mama's. Is it still your business or is it someone else that's... No, it's our business. Yeah, it's in the, it's inside the shop. That's very community building. You have locals coming in, getting a cup of coffee. Hey, what do you have that's new? Right. Yeah, we do. Remind me, did you open the store while you were still in college or was it after college? Right after. No break. Didn't go to Europe backpacking. Just jumped right in. Just jumped right in. (laughs) Took a winter off and skied. Which resort did you ski bum? Big Sky. (laughs) Melissa, what's the most challenging part about running your store, owning your store? Well... COVID has been one of the more challenging things that we've had to deal with um, because it's running our business. It's so contrary to how we've always run our business. We've always been about being customer service and welcoming people, promoting the area, wanting as many people as possible to come here and enjoy what we have to offer. And now all of a sudden we have to be careful about who comes in. We don't want everyone coming from all over the country to our town. And so that's been really challenging. And we've had to adjust our hours and have so many protocols in place to try and stay safe during this time. I asked Kelly about some challenges they faced too. And her story relates to how their business and the community is tightly woven together. Well, yeah, we almost closed seven years into it. And it wasn't the seven-year itch, you know, that people get in relationships, whether it be your marriage or or owning a business. But we, um, the Yellowstone National Park is changing their regulations for snowmobiles. So they're trying to change from two-stroke to four-stroke and and limit the number of snowmobiles allowed in Yellowstone. Before they changed the regulations, I don't know how many people, I think, I don't think they had a limit. But the air quality in town was so bad. And and the pushback from people in town calling us the girls. And, and the reason why the park is changing the regulations is because of us. And because, you know, we are, whatever you call it, tree hugger, hippies that weren't into motors. That wasn't at all the case. You know, we were, we just wanted diversity. We wanted we wanted to be able to ski, but the air quality was so bad for a while that nobody wanted to come to this town and breathe and like do an aerobic activity and have to breathe in that air. 
two but stroke to four stroke, does one put out more emission than another? The two strokes put out a ton more emissions. They're very loud. The, the emissions are, are much greater. The air would be just like, well, and the thing is it's cold here. So you get these high pressure periods of time where air just sits. The air was so thick. Creates the inversions. Oh yeah, crazy inversions. Mm -hmm. But because of the air was so bad, it was limiting so many other users. And um, so that's why we were really pushing to, to get the regulations changed. And they did. But we got that. And you know, honestly, Al, we, we all, we think of it as it's a compliment, right? I mean, anything that's negative that people are, that think that you have some sort of role in change, then you have to think of it as, as a compliment, you know, it just makes our skin tougher. We are women too. And in a man's kind of a man's world and there's pushback, but we're, we're well respected not only in this, in this town, but in other towns around us, you know, that, that share the same passions as far as where we're at, what we do. So we feel, we feel good. Well, I don't like to admit it, but it still feels like it's a man's world out there. Um, by doing <laughs> sports, can we relate better to men in a business environment? Well, I think you can share that connection with them. And we have a lot of instances in the summertime where men will come into the, to the store and, and second guess who's working in the bike shop. And well, is there a guy around that can help me? And that's one thing that, that really spawned our desire to learn as much as we can so that we could say, Hey, you know, no, there's not, but what do you need? We can help you. And so I think being out there on the trails and competing against these men does help give you um, whether we need it or not, it gives you some credibility. And so I think that's important and, um, it's just the way the world is. So, but I think it, it's definitely helped us and we've tried to, you know, keep ourselves out there, whether it's being involved in these volunteer programs or trying to compete in these races, you know, once a year, whatever it is. And part of that reason is that we want, you know, we want that credibility and, when those guys come in and ask questions and want to talk to a man, we want to be able to say, you know what, we, we can answer all your questions. And sometimes they're taken aback by that, but that's okay. And, and we don't mind. <laughs> Do you ever feel overwhelmed? You have to buy, you have to balance the books, you have reps, you've got different vendors, you have employees and insurance. I, I mean, it's got to be, you got to just like hold your head sometimes. How do you get through some of that challenge? <laughs> um, absolutely. We feel overwhelmed fairly regularly. Um, I'm a bit more of a type A personality. So I, I, I take that on myself. I'm a worrier and I, and I definitely have gone through in my life some, you know, like pain cycles associated with anxiety and things like that. Um, but honestly, going for a bike ride or going for a ski is, is how we deal. Um, and then maybe the occasional glass of wine or something along those lines. But 
and I'm a big chocolate ice cream fan. So that soothes my, <laughs> soothes my nerves sometimes. Um, but absolutely doing what we love and traveling. We both travel in the off season as much as we can, both with our husbands and with our girlfriends. Um, and those trips and planning those trips get us through those stressful times. And that's the reward. That's the carrot. That's what gets us through. You know, I've got hours of paperwork right now. Kelly's got hours of orders to do, and we're just going to plug away and get it done. So in March and April and May, we're going to go travel, hopefully, and, and do what we love and, and just spend time and not have to think about work. And then on a daily basis, it's, it's the activity, even if it's just a half hour ski, you know, just a little time to yourself definitely does the trick and it's the fresh air. Um, I realized I went through like a knee or a ACL injury and I couldn't get outside. I was able to get on the indoor bicycle and, and pedal. It wasn't giving me what I needed to, to deal with stress. And so it wasn't until my first ride out the wind in my face and the fresh air. And I was like, okay, this is what really heals me and takes care of my anxiety and the pressure. So being outside and doing what we love. As far as other challenges that we've experienced over the years, it's more or less just, we've been really fortunate that we've had a really good staff. We have a lot of people that stay on with us for years and years. A lot of our employees are going to be, this is going to be a second job for them. And so we have employees that just work one day a week and they like being here. We love having them and they're, they're amazing on that day that they're here. So, you know, we just have more employees than working one day a week than we would if we had one that worked five days a week. So figuring that out and how to adjust our schedule, we still don't get a lot of days off, um, in a normal work week, you know, we're, we're striving to have two days off a week, Kelly and I are, and that that's been difficult to do, but we work with each other and our family of free heel employees. So we, you know, it's a great place to be and we don't mind that. Some say don't go into business with your friends. What do you say? <laughs> well, it definitely takes a lot of communication and ability to be totally honest with one another and you can't have expectations. You can't expect your partner to live and work the same way you might. We're really fortunate in that we really complement each other. You know, when there's an ebb and a flow, if one of us is ebbing, the other one's flowing. Um, it's just our personalities, you know, balance each other out. Um, and I've worked for other people that worked with their friends and those friendships went away. And so and we didn't want that to happen. So one of our priorities has always been that we spend time together and do fun things outside of work, you know, just as friends. And that's allowed us to maintain our friendship. You know, our husbands are very understanding of our relationship and we, we we're codependent a little bit on each other, but we, we don't mind admitting that. And, and um, you know, we can get things done because we have each other to balance each other out. That's fantastic. I love it. What's the hot item this winter? Hot item? I'd say skis. Nobody has skis. They're saying like skis are the new, is the new toilet paper. <laughs> it's hard to get. 
did I tell you it's uh, going to be 25 years of your store? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's really cool. And, and we have, we have seen so many kids grow up to be adults and they come in and they want to tell us about themselves and how they, you know, their lives have changed, you know, from coming to free heel and, you know, skiing for the very first time or biking. It's really cool. As I'm thinking, I'm looking over at my little employee who's now graduated. She's a, a little skier. So fun to see that. She's out here helping us on her, still her break from college. Your relationships go for decades with these kids. Yeah. Most of I don't have kids. So these are our kids. And then, and Free Hill and Wheels, our kid. You know, our, our, our kid now is just a, like graduated from college or, you know, it's, it's old now. It's <laughs> That's how we used to say like, oh, it's seven, it's eight years, nine. It's a teenager now. It's acting up. <laughs> well, speaking of kids, you know, they are the future of the sport. Are you guys doing some community involvement in getting the sport to uh, promulgate? <laughs> yeah, we do as much as we can. We teach lessons and then also try and get kids out on bikes in the summer. I would say about 24 years ago, um, uh, we started an after school ski program. And that was just a once a week, let's get kids on skis and have fun, have a positive experience. That program started with about 10 kids. And today we get about 60 to 70 kids sign up for it. And it's just elementary, second grade through sixth grade. A lot of our community is Hispanic. And so it's fun to see those kids get their parents out on skis and everybody, all, all of the school. Uh, we live in a town that not only has, you know, skiing, but there's a lot of snowmobiling as well. And so it's fun to see a lot of these parents diversify and do something else. We also have been part of a program called um, Expedition Yellowstone, which gets kids into Yellowstone National Park for a five-day expedition. They stay in little cabins and they learn about Yellowstone. They learn about the geology, ecology, and history of Yellowstone. And that's all ranger-led. So um, Melissa and I both are part of that and do that um, every year. Oh, that's great. Well, you don't protect what you don't know. So getting them into the outdoors to appreciate the environment that you're living in. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that they try and teach these kids. The very first hour that they get into the park is preservation. And a lot of people don't even know what that means or have ever considered what that may mean. So it's always just fun to see their eyes light up at the end of the week after they understand it a little bit better. West Yellowstone and Free Heel and Wheel, you're what, half a block away from West Yellowstone entrance? Yeah, we are, we are the west entrance of Yellowstone National Park. And we are about a block away from the park gate. That's great. Take your lunch breaks and go for a ski. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because I remember when we first started too, we were, we were thinking, where do we want to live? We wanted to stay in Montana. 
our choices were Whitefish, Montana, Big Sky, or West Yellowstone. And we chose West Yellowstone because of the access, the Nordic skiing access and biking. And also my parents were still living here, so we could live for free. <laughs> but that is a that's a great comment. It's just the access is so so easy. You don't have, we don't have to drive anywhere. It's a small town, West Yellowstone. The population during the winter is about 1,200, but then summer hits and that swells to 15,000. As business owners, community involvement, policy, and outdoor advocacy is part of the job for Kelly and Melissa. Melissa is a chairperson on the West Yellowstone Ski and Bike Committee. For decades, Kelly, Melissa, and the locals have been dreaming and working toward a very cool trail project called the Yellowstone Shortline Trail. This trail will connect to a massive trail system that connects three states, Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho. When it's completed, the Greater Yellowstone Trail will improve access to recreation and stimulate business among the local communities. Since podcasts are on a listening platform, it's hard to envision. But imagine a 180-mile trail that goes from West Yellowstone, Montana, through Idaho to Teton National Park near Jackson Hole, Wyoming. If you're into biking, this will be on a bucket list. I'm looking at the map, and there are five national forests that the path goes through. Search Greater Yellowstone Trail, and you'll see what we're talking about. Um, that entire trail is called the Greater Yellowstone Trail, and that would be that, that entire railroad corridor that starts here in West and basically ends at Teton Park. So our portion is a nine-mile stretch of trail that starts on the edge of town and goes along the South Fork of the Madison River, and it's just a very scenic corridor that was an abandoned railroad grade. So they pulled out the railroad ties and the bridges back in the 80s, and um, it's just been a non-motorized corridor on the National Forest Plan, and, you know, it took a group of us to get the Forest Service to reconsider development of that corridor as a trail. That's fantastic. I saw that on your website. Yeah. yeah. So essentially that will be part of the greater Yellowstone pathway system, um, a pathway that um, hopefully we can link everybody up and you can ride your bike from West Yellowstone all the way to Teton National Park. And that's mountain or gravel biking, not road biking or both? That would probably be mountain or gravel. We are hoping to get our section paved. So yeah, hopefully. Because you have a, a big road cycling community? Or? No, um, we want this to be a trail that a wheelchair could go on. We, we don't have any other pathways around here. So this would be our first paved pathway in this area. So just to be able to get all users out there whether you have a road bike, a mountain bike, rollerblades, roller skis. Access. Access. It also goes to the Continental Divide. So the, the border of Idaho and Montana, it's on the Continental Divide. So there is a, a really cool single track that starts from the top of a pass called Targi Pass, just 10 miles out of town. And that single track all the way down to where this Yellowstone Shortline Trail will stop on the Idaho-Montana border. So another reason for people to get here, to come to visit West Yellowstone and to free Hill and Neal and not 
have to go into Yellowstone National Park. As you know, during the pandemic, we couldn't use our national parks. They were closed, but the forest, the forest land did not close. So had we had this pathway, we would have seen a lot of users, people coming to recreate on the Custer Gallatin National Forest. So that's an exciting realization that, you know, we don't need to rely on, on Yellowstone. So you work with the local government on that the project? Yes, yes, absolutely. And we, and we got a matching grant. There's um, um, a family that um, has a lot of history here that actually has come up here on the Yellowstone or Yellowstone Railroad. Um, but they gave us a match of up to $750,000. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. When do you think it'll open? And maybe I'm optimistic, but I'm hoping it's done by the end of, of this summer. The Yellowstone Short Line Trail has been great for West Yellowstone, for recreation and morale. In the earlier days of free heel and wheel, some in the community weren't sure of their motives. Melissa shares a bit about their journey as two young female business people and how they work toward inclusion and diversity. Well, I think that when we first opened, there was a lot of um, people didn't know what to think of us. And, you know, two women moving to a fairly conservative, almost redneck kind of town when, when we moved to West Yellowstone, West Yellowstone was known as the snowmobile capital of the world. And so coming in as skiers, being environmentalists, we were definitely, there was a lot of, um, you know, just second guessing like, oh, they're not going to be around for long. And, you know, what do these girls think they're doing? And, and so we just kept persevering and knowing that you know, the reality is we were trying to diversify the economy of West Yellowstone. There wasn't anybody doing what we were doing and we weren't a threat to their business, even though they looked at us that way. But the reality was we were, we were opening up new opportunities for people who were coming here and we were bringing different people to the community. We don't own a hotel. We don't own a restaurant. So why we were viewed as a threat, I don't know, because really all we were doing is by promoting and growing our business, we were bringing our customers to them, to the people that own the hotels and that own the restaurants. And so I think by inclusion, I think that's what we would like to see is that people understand more that diversification is a good thing and trying to promote something different it's not a threat or competition. It's, it's just adding to what our community has to offer. And I think some of the good old boys, as we call them, um, see that, but I think a lot of them still, you know, for some reason view us as a threat. And I think that has something to do with the female, you know, the female thing, but we had no intention of converting snowmobilers into skiers. We just saw that no one was addressing the ski market and that's what we were into and that's what we know. And so we can open up these opportunities 
you know, for a whole different group of people to come and stay in their hotels and go to their restaurants. You know, with the Shortline Trail, that's been one of the most, we've raised more money than any other fundraiser our community has ever tried to do. Um, and so that points to the fact that people want different opportunities. They don't want to just ride their ATVs or go into Yellowstone in their cars. They want other experiences and they see value in these other opportunities in these silent sports, if you will. I think um, it's been very validating for us to have that support and to make this project come to fruition with that kind of support from out of the community and within the community of people, you know, supporting something that that all along we've been saying, no, this will be good for town. And finally, you know, people are validating that with their donations and and their energy and making it happen. So getting back to sports, how have sports influenced your relationships in life? Well, interesting because I think that my closest friends are those who I enjoy the outside with. I think also working, like putting yourself in a situation or being in a situation um, with somebody out on an activity outside, it changes you. Like you have to rely on that person and to get what you need out of it or to help them get through something that they might need help with, you know? Like I think of skiing, right? Like backcountry skiing, somebody might be having a bad day and just helping them get through something, um, whatever it is, it's, it can be empowering for sure. Well, backcountry skiing, you don't have any lift served. So what you're saying is you're out there and you're struggling up to get to a peak or you need to get on a tough piece of ice in order to get over to the chute that you need to ski mm-hmm. and someone's having trouble, you can work together on getting through that challenge. Yeah, exactly. Or being part of a team, playing ultimate, just keeping the morale up, you know, just working together for the same goal, which is hopefully to win, but also hopefully to do it safely and not get hurt and do it so you don't hate each other at the end of the day. So yeah, I think sports, I don't know what I'd be without it, I guess. Um, it's shaped me into who, who I am. It shaped me into my who I choose for my friends. It's shaped me into who I chose for my mates. You're not only running a ski and bike store, you are pillars of your community. Yeah. You know, we still love what we do. That's the crazy thing. I think that you see a lot of people in business that have this dream of opening up a, you know, an outdoor or something, and they end up just hating what they, what their passion originally was. And I think that it's important just to remember that, you know, you, you did this for a reason, like you have this passion for a reason and I honestly think I, I love what I do even more than I did when I first started. And maybe it's just because of all the stuff we've gone through and life has gotten gone through, but yeah, it's just so fun. I love it. I love being where I am and 
outside and being able to like really recreate every single day. It's incredible. I feel lucky. Do you have any words of encouragement or wisdom for our listeners, either for the athletes out there or even people who might be considering, you know, a business or a a job in the outdoor industry? I would just say it's possible. Absolutely. Don't hesitate to, to jump in with both feet and do what you're passionate about. And if you can share your passions with someone as your work, um, it's just very rewarding and try not to have financial expectations necessarily early on, but knowing that if you can do the work and, and just keep your business running, eventually, you know, you'll, you'll make it so to speak and probably be okay. And just get to the point where you can have the lifestyle that you want. So if you're in a position of wanting to have a great lifestyle, then this is the outdoor industry is a good way to go. Yeah. You got to be ready to put everything into it. But if it's something that you're passionate about and you want it, want to do it, it is very fulfilling. It's a great career. It's a great profession. I would also recommend if someone was looking into opening a business is, is to do your research, do as much research of the town where you are, who your customer base is going to be, the demographics, you know, really understand that a lot of people just think that they're going to make a bunch of money. They think that, you know, if you sell something for a hundred dollars, you're making a hundred dollars. That's not true. You might make 20, if that, if that, and cross country skiing is a lifetime sport. Um, I always recommend, you know, taking a lesson or going out with a friend that knows what they're doing. There's classic skiing and skate skiing, uh, both very different, both very fun. It's a great way to spend an hour or two or all day. If you're getting into backcountry skiing, really, really do your homework there as well. Unfortunately, because people are being pushed out uh, by high prices of resorts and by this COVID-19 pandemic, we're starting to see a lot of users that don't necessarily know what they're doing. And I mean, they don't necessarily know the correct way of getting up to somewhere where they want to ski down. That takes a lot of knowledge of asking people or reading maps or maybe hiking there in the summer knowing the snowpack, knowing um, and understanding what's been going on with wind, with the degree of slope. There's so much to know. And people are getting out there and they're causing issues, meaning like getting hurt or getting other people hurt. Causing avalanches? Yeah, causing avalanches. It's not like cross-country skiing where you can just go out there with a friend or on a lesson and learn it quickly. You have to have a little bit more knowledge. Free Heel and Wheel is a reflection of everything Kelly Hart and Melissa Alder believe in. They have rolled their passion for skiing and biking into their business, supported the community through their efforts on many things from lowering emissions and increased trail access. 
They are promoting the growth of outdoor sports with their kids' ski programs and Yellowstone Education Project. Free Heel and Wheel is a manifestation of who Kelly and Melissa are as people. And that is empowering. Music for this podcast is created and produced by Gary Ferguson. Creative consultants, Tony Ferguson and Quinn Ferguson. You can find a library of episodes and other information on the web at empoweringwomenthroughsports.com. We're on Instagram, too, at EWTSpod. Or find us on your favorite listening platform, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you hear an inspiring episode, share it with your friends, and let's grow our community of empowering women through sports. Thanks for listening.